Amen. Good evening, everybody. So, good evening to your neighbor with a smile. If you have a neighbor. Um, so, we are in part 15 of our study of the book of Proverbs titled Wisdom. And today we are in chapter, chapter what? Chapter 17. We're in chapter 17. And um, so I'm going to read Proverbs 17 from verse 1. Before I dive into the text, we have the open, opening question that um, sets the tone. Then we begin to read. And the question is, how do you handle a contentious person? How do you handle a contentious person? If um, someone that, whose spot is contention, you know, whose hobby is contention. <laughs> if you are married to such, <laughs> we need your insight <laughs> today. <laughs> How do you handle a contentious person? How do you handle a contentious person? Who wants to go? Or maybe you have a sibling, you know. Maybe you don't need to even cite an example, but just give us the principle, you know, on how to handle a contentious person. I believe we all know what, who a contentious person is. Is that big English? Contentious person, someone that um, likes trouble. Troublemaker, eh? Or maybe not necessarily troublemaker, but Someone that just likes strife, you know. Troublemaker. <laughs> okay, how do you handle such a person? Who wants to go? Who wants to help us? How do you handle a contentious person? We all have them in our lives. And if you say, if you look around you, you can't, there's no contentious person, you are the one. <laughs> okay, give us the mic. Good evening, Pepe. Good evening. I do, there are two things I do. The first thing is I try to make them see reason. But if they don't want to, I just avoid them and walk away. Hmm. So most of the time, what I do is I avoid them a lot than getting into a heated argument with them or into trouble with them. I just stay away from them. Stay away from them? Yes, sir. Okay. But, okay, what has your experience been in trying to make them see reason? It's like hitting your head against a wall. Okay. We shall see in Proverbs <laughs> today how that goes. Who else wants to go? How do you handle a contentious person? Um, Munachi, you know a contentious person <laughs> at your small age. Okay. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening. How I will handle a contentious person is by just ignoring them. Just ignoring them. Okay. But what my parents tell me to do is just go and read my book and ignore them. That's what they tell me to do. You should go and read and your I book. And I stick with that. Read your book? Was that what she said? 
Yes. Oh, read your book. Leave them and go and read your book. Okay. Yeah, that works. Mind your own business. Go and face your, your vision. Yes. Um, okay, one and two. Then we, we dive into it. Yeah. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Um, the first thing I do is try to identify how important the relationship is. Okay. If it's not important, I ignore. If it's okay. important, I find, I know that there is something good somewhere that you can just deal with and help the person. Okay, maybe not necessarily help the person, but there's something good in the person that you can work with and make it easier for you to work with them. Okay. So if the relationship is important, I look out for those things. If it's not important, I ignore. You walk away. So there are certain relationships that you are stuck with, like um, your spouse. I'm not saying your spouse is contentious. I know. An example. Okay, then. You, you, what you can find, you do? I find a you way. You have to find a way. Okay, so Pastor um, Jiri. Good evening, Pastor. Good so, evening. Exactly what she said. It, it depends on the categories. Right. So if it's work categories and it's somebody that I cannot do without working with, um, I, I approach with an overwhelming force so that um, they will face the consequences of enormous action. Huh. And <laughs> <laughs> so consequences if, of enormous action. <laughs> so if it's um, a family that is distant, you love them at distance and you just ignore. If it's an immediate family that you need to help right. and make sure that they come right, you come, you come with an enormous overwhelming action as well. So, so it depends on the relationship. It depends on the relationship. Okay. Fantastic. Proverbs 17. Better a dry crust of bread eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. A house filled with plenty of food and a contentious person. A wise servant will rule over the master's disgraceful son and will share the inheritance of the master's children. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. So, for last week, for those that say that I will just listen to gossip, I won't say anything. The Bible says you're a wrongdoer. Wow. So wrongdoers eagerly listen. They are not saying anything, but they are, they are listening. Liars pay close attention to slander. Those who mock the poor insult their maker. Those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. Eloquent words are not fitting for a fool, even less are lies fitting for a ruler. A bribe is like a lucky charm. Whoever gives one will prosper. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. A single rebook does more for a person of understanding than a hundred strokes of cane lashes on the back of a fool. 
Evil people are eager for rebellion, but they will be severely punished. It is safer to meet a bear robbed of our cubs than to confront a fool caught in foolishness. If you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent both are detestable to the Lord. It is senseless to pay to educate a fool since he has no heart for learning. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. Anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Anyone who trusts in high walls invites disaster. The crooked heart will not prosper. The lying tongue tumbles into trouble. It is painful to be the parent of a fool. There is no joy for the father of a rebel. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. The wicked take secret bribes to pervert the, the course of justice. Sensible people keep their eyes glued to wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Foolish children bring grief to their father and bitterness to the one who gave them birth. It is wrong to punish the godly for being good or to flog leaders for being honest. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are taught to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. May the Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. So Proverbs 17 teaches us about relationships, leadership, and day-to-day -day wisdom. So we could, we could um, learn about relationships, about leadership, about day-to-day -day wisdom in Proverbs 17. If you're writing, that's, you're filling that blank. And you will notice that for the scriptural references that are stated, there's a space between one and the other, and that space is for you to put on your notes, um, your thoughts, or the things you've heard, and by now, from the teaching, you should be able to take your notes yourself. So that's where we are going. Instead of always filling the blanks, you know, so the blanks are, are sparse and um, more spaces for you to put your thoughts down. So we start with relationships. Relationships. Verse 1 
verse 14 and verse 19 says, better a dry crust eaten in peace, that is, um, dry loaf of bread, than a house filled with feasting and conflict. So, you know, the wisdom here is telling us that it's better to have little and have peace than have a lot and there's always strife. There's always, you see, and unfortunately, people that seemingly have little or they have enough and they have peace, they don't value the peace they have. Sometimes they crave to have more and have more and have more. And in the process, nothing wrong with having more as God blesses you in Jesus' name, but not at the expense of the peace, not at the expense of the peace of your life. And he says, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. In other words, when you open a floodgate, that is the only thing you have control over. Once you open your floodgate, everything that comes at you, you don't have control over. So when you want to start a fight or a quarrel, don't think you have um, the copyrights to make trouble. <laughs> you know, I used to say to someone, you know, that's close to me, that you want to start this quarrel, you will discover that you don't have a copyright to trouble. <laughs> You think, if you want to make trouble, some people think they are just the one that is troublemaker. When you bring trouble and you see trouble, you will run from trouble. So God is saying to you, don't start a quarrel. Don't start a quarrel. Unfortunately, we, we sometimes start a quarrel. But God is saying don't start a quarrel because you can't handle how it will go. So stop before a dispute breaks out. Anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Wow. So God is saying a contentious person is detestable to me because obviously sin is detestable to God. Anyone that loves quarrel loves sin. God will help all of us that are troublesome. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Say amen. Oh, am I the only one that needs that prayer? <laughs> Anyone who trusts in high walls invites disaster. And this is big. Because what, what scripture is saying to us is this. That should you have a wall? Of course you should have a wall. But don't put your trust in the wall. If you put your trust in the world, that world will be tested. Because everything you put your trust in will be tested. If you put your trust in God, that trust in God will be tested. So, and of course, it will stand because it's, it's in God. But if you put your trust in your bank account or your high wall, that wall will be tested. And when it's tested, obviously, you know, anything that is not eternal will not stand forever. Praise the Lord. So you cannot love quarrel and love peace at the same time. 
the space there is to have peace. You can't love quarrel and love peace at the same time. You love to quarrel, but you are not happy because you don't have peace. How can you not be happy? You should be, you should be content with the storm you are creating. But you like to quarrel, but you are not happy. You are so sad because there's no peace. But you like to quarrel, but you, don't, but you want peace. You can't have the two. You need to choose one. What is it going to be? Quarrel or peace? Peace, amen. Verse 5 says to us that those who mock the poor insult their maker. And those who rejoice in the misfortune of others will be punished. Those who mock the poor insult their maker. And, you know, sometimes you can look at someone and, you know, and feel you are better off and mock them. Sometimes you don't even say it. Sometimes in our hearts, you know, we look down on people. And God is saying, be careful. When you look down on people, you are actually mocking me. You are mocking their maker. So it is not in our place to look down on anyone. It's not in our place to look down on anyone. Sometimes when you are successful, you know, you, I mean, and God's favor is upon you. You work hard, but things are working, you know, because there are people that are working hard and things are not working, you know. You work hard and things are working. Then you see someone that is struggling financially and you, you, you think they are just lazy, you know, or they are just daft or they are not sharp, you know. <laughs> the God is saying, what you are saying is that you are abusing me, so you are the one that is sharp now. You are the one that is hardworking. It's a path we don't want to go. So, of course, you're going to encounter people that are financially lower than you. So God says, in other words, treat everybody with respect. Treat everyone with respect. Even when something happens to someone, you know, don't rejoice. Put up the text. Thank you. Don't rejoice when something happens, something bad happens to someone that is. So, so those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. Don't rejoice. I had um, a friend of mine some years ago. There was this guy who was a believer. He was CEO of a multinational. It's about 15 years ago. And everything in his I mean, finished school, first class, side work, everything was just got married. How many children? I don't know. You know, every, I mean, this guy was just on the express road of life. So, but in his career, he had a major scandal. You know, a major scandal. Obviously, if you hear his own side of the story, you know, there are just different stories, you know. And his cousin, my friend, said to me that, ah, finally this guy has a problem. He was like, he was happy. Hey, ah, I can't, all of us, we're going through problems. <laughs> Only him, because everything is going rosy, 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 rosy. He didn't want him to die in this problem. Don't get me wrong. 
he, he prays he will get out of the problem. Don't get me wrong. But he was happy that at least he's, he's facing something. And we have to be careful. And God is saying, don't rejoice in anybody's misfortune. Don't rejoice. And he told me his history, how his primary school, everything worked for this guy. Everything. As far as he knew, that is. So when he had the scandal at work, his response was, ha, finally. Everyone that is waiting to say finally on your case, we keep waiting until they see Jesus. <laughs> you know, some people are just waiting just to say fire. Ah, ah, he's human after all. Let's help him. They will fail. In the name of Jesus. Okay. Verse 6. 21 and 25 says we are still on relationships. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. So, and this is God saying, look, I'm a God of generations. I, I, I go from generation to generation. It is my joy that you see your children and your children's children, you know, and have a good relationship down the chain. That's God's heart. That's God's heart. So verse 21 says, it's painful to be a parent of a fool. It's painful to have a child that is just a fool. There will be no fool among our children in the name of Jesus. And there is no joy for the father of a rebel. So we see that with God, even family relationships, when a child is a fool or has been foolishly, it causes pain for the parents. And the joy and the glory it's supposed to bring doesn't happen. Verse 25 says, foolish children bring grief to their fathers and father and bitterness to the one that gave them birth, that is to their mother. Verse 9 Love prospers when a fault is covered. The word for forgiving there in the Hebrew actually means covered. When a fault is covered, but dwelling on it can separate the closest of friends. So there is no relationship that will not have its faults because. There are no human beings that are perfect. Because there are no human beings that are perfect. So, when you're in relationship with anyone, your colleague, your boss, your spouse, your child, whoever, there will be faults. 
And God is saying that love only grows and prospers when faults are what? Forgiven. When they are covered. When, when you let them go. You let the pain go. You let the, the mishap go. You let, you, let, you let it go. But when you keep dwelling on it, when you keep dwelling on it, when it's, it's, that's the issue. That was how you behaved at 3 p.m. on the 6th of February in 1942. That was how you behaved. And you, you think, I'm, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. When you keep dwelling on it, the, the, the word of God says that it, it, that can separate chief friends, the best of friends. So you look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Verse 13. If you repay good with evil, evil will never leave your house. And this is a very sobering one. Very sobering one. If you've done life long enough, you would have someone that has repaid you evil for the good you have done. How many people have had any of such? Let me see your hands up. To join mine. Mine is up. In fact, let me put my legs up. <laughs> Two legs. <laughs> Honestly, so what do you do? Unfortunately, many times we react. We fight. We say, after all I've done for you, I brought you into my house. And you stole my remote control. <laughs> Whatever. We react. But you see, if we understand scripture, we should be sorry for the person. Because the person has just triggered something that can be devastating. Anyone that repays good with evil, evil will not depart from their house. There are people that have put my life on the line, literally, on the line for. When they had the chance, they brought out a dagger. And, and they moved on without any. And I sit down there, I'm like, really? It's not a prayer. It's the scriptures. You don't even need to worry yourself. So, again, because you know the efficacy of the word of God, it shouldn't stop you from doing good to the next person. Which is the problem we have. Because we've done good to someone and the person repays with evil, we kind of shut our hearts. We, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want... We, we don't want to do good to other people because, you know, human beings are crazy. Well, they're not crazy, but you know what I mean. You know, human beings, you will say that, ah, you know. So we, we want to shut our heart and protect ourselves and we don't do good to other people that God has brought our way. But God is saying, leave the judgment to me. Leave the repayment to me. He that has repaid you evil for the good you have done Evil will not leave their house. Don't worry about them. You continue to do good. 
Praise the name of the Lord. And that's why it doesn't affect me by God's grace. It really doesn't. So, I mean, I feel the pain, of course, but I shake it off and, and I move on. Except I've not done good for the person. That's when the scriptures will not kick in. So we move on from relationships to leadership. So we see a lot of leadership lessons from Proverbs 17. In fact, there's so much in Proverbs 17, of course, in all the chapters, that we can't exhaust in this, cheat, in this sitting, but to just um, leave you to do the rest as homework. Verse 2 says, A wise servant will rule over the master's disgraceful son and will share the inheritance of the master's children. So what that simply means is that leadership is not inherited. Leadership is not automatic. Leadership, greatness is not inherited. Greatness is not automatic. There are many children of great men that <laughs> have made very poor decisions. And God is saying, it also means that the fact that you are low, seemingly a servant today, does not mean that you cannot be a ruler tomorrow. So if you know how to play your cards of diligence and loyalty, you will overtake even the children and the sons of, of the kings. Praise the name of the Lord. And that is huge. Wise servant. If you are wise, you will always displace the son that is not wise, whose right it might be. Always, all the time. All the time. Again, as children of God, we have to be wise. The word of God says, I've seen servants on horses. And I've seen princes walking on barefoot. Why would there be servants on horses? And princes are the ones walking on barefoot. Why? Because the servants were wise, are wise. And the princes are foolish and disgraceful. So the fact that you're a child of God doesn't mean things will be automatic. The, the, child, the fact that you're a child of God doesn't mean you don't need to be dealing. In fact, you're positioned for greatness. But you have to earn it. You have to be wise. You have to be diligent. You have to be faithful. And it's big. So there are many Christians today, they are Christians and they're like, oh, why am I going through, I mean, things that I should not, should be under me that are over me. Why is this person that's supposed to be an unbeliever, you know, having, you know, control of so much industry? You know, I was, I was speaking with, we were having, speaking with my colleagues and there's some guy that's, <laughs> That is, you know, 
has a lot of money, you know. And so we're watching his interview, and I drew their attention to the fact that this guy was on top of his game. He knew the numbers. He will tell you the numbers of, I don't want to mention the things because we guess who he is. He will, I mean, and yet we have people that are managing something that is about a hundred times smaller. And you ask them for the stats of their business and they can't tell you. They can't tell you their cash flow. They can't tell you what the numbers are. They have no clue. They can't tell you how far out their payroll will go. They can't tell you. And they are Christians and they are speaking in tongues. And this guy is not a Christian. But we, you know, and I'm like, why wouldn't he rule? Why wouldn't he rule? Why wouldn't he rule? Let's start with, your, with the kitchen. What's the volume of rice left in your store? <laughs> Dispenser waters, bottles, how many are left? <laughs> you know, folks are not on top of their game yet we want a miracle to happen of course we can get manna here and there but you see to control the wealth that I believe God will give you and I we have to be on top of our game we have to be on top of our game Praise God. You have to be on top of our game. A wise servant will always rule over the master's son that is unwise. Always. It's in the Bible. That's a big leadership lesson there. Verse 3 says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. The Lord tests the heart. The heart, the, the, the pureness of the heart and the preciousness of your heart is like silver and gold to God. So God tests the heart. God doesn't test your bank account. God can use your bank account to test your heart, but God is testing your heart. God wants to know where you are and where your heart is. Huge. Seven. I'm going pretty fast now. Eloquent words are not fitting for a fool, even less, even less are lies fitting for a ruler. So in leadership, you can't be a lying leader. You can't be a lying leader. Verse 8, a bribe is like a lucky charm. Whoever gives one will prosper. Now, if you read this scripture <laughs> out of context, if you just read it in isolation, you say, ah, God is encouraging us to give bribe. Right? 
And you see, that is why you have to compare scriptures with scriptures and read scriptures in context and put scriptures in parallel to fully understand the mind of God on an issue. What is stated here is a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. You go and see your father-in-law and go and give him a fat check with some clothing, a bottle of wine, and then you sit and you, you want to discuss stuff. Then you have another brother-in-law that comes empty-handed, but he prostrated. And he gets up. Your father-in-law will give him time, but we <laughs> will have more of his favor. You say, oh, but that is partiality. That is how it works. And that's just what the Bible is saying. That's how it works. Praise the Lord. But if you just oppose it to verse 23, it says that the wicked take secret bribes to pervert the curse of justice. So while a gift will make room for you, is a fact. It can be used negatively to subvert justice, and that's what God does not like. Is it clearer now? Okay. Verse 10 and verse 12. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. So God is saying, a single rebook, single correction will do well for a wise person than when you have to flog a fool a hundred times. You still won't get it. It's easier to meet a bear robbed of her cubs. Now, the picture painted painted here, that is being painted here is um, one of the fiercest animals you can encounter is a bear that has been robbed of her cubs. That is, the bear that has just given birth and they've taken away her children. She's, she's looking for her. She's, she will tear anybody apart that she comes across. Right. So, God is saying it is safer to meet a bear robbed with her cubs that to confront a fool caught in foolishness. <laughs> so, like, I think Dorothy was saying, you know, your experience in trying to correct a fool caught in foolishness, they will always fight you. They will always try to justify. They will always talk back. They will always... So it's better to just go and look for a bear. That has just lost its cubs. <laughs> the Bible says you are safer with that bear than with a fool <laughs> cutting foolishness. <sighs> Isn't the Bible amazing? Everything is inside. Everything. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Verse 16. It is senseless to pay to educate a fool. 
since he has no heart for learning. Many of us are business owners. Some of us are professionals. We, you know, we sit over who goes on, on which training and all that. You know, God is saying that don't waste your money trying to train a fool. A fool is untrainable because they have no heart for learning. Nobody here in God's favorite house will be a fool in Jesus' name. It's, it's huge. God say, no, even don't waste your money. And unfortunately, I mean, if you are someone in business or you leadership at work, you know what I'm saying. You've, 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 you know one or two people like that. They have no interest in learning. All they just want to do maybe is politic, politicking, butt-licking, conniving so that they can get ahead. They don't want to improve themselves and become better skilled and better people so that promotion becomes automatic. And um, verse 26 says, It is wrong to punish the godly for being good or flog leaders for being honest. God doesn't like it. He detests punishing innocent people for being good. Now, question is this. In our society today, how do we see the godly being punished? The innocent people being punished. In certain societies, if you are good, you are the one that will be punished. I'm not saying in Nigeria, but in certain societies. So, have we seen any of such in Nigeria where if you decide to do the right thing, you are going to suffer, you will hear me, and the system just is designed to frustrate you if you want to do the right thing. Anybody? Yes, sir. There's another hand at the back. There, yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think the, one, the example that comes to my mind immediately is when you're in traffic and you are stuck, you are trying to stay on the lane, and some guys or majority just go one way, and at the end of the day, maybe police or security forces come, and they are telling you, why are you blocking these people on one way, you, as if you are the one doing bad. So it, that's an example of godly. Oh, God, move now. Why are you so stubborn? Let them pass. Sad. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Um, I, I travel interstate sometimes, and um, over time, before I have my car papers complete, but they waste <laughs> my time on the road. <laughs> so over time, what I do, I just change 100, 100 naira. When I get there, I hail them. If I see the guy is stubborn, I will just give him 100 naira, and I'm on my way, and I can meet up <laughs> with my time. <laughs> So you roger the guy under the, the system. So that you can if I insist on telling the guy, the guy will start checking my engine number, start looking for all kinds of things. Looking at your tire <laughs> serial number. So I, I just you know, I just give him hundred error and I'm good to go and I meet up. Okay. Now would that be the right thing to do? I'm not saying this I mean, I don't know. Who who how would you respond? You have brought in another dimension. How would you respond in that kind of situation if you were the one? 
How would you respond, Pastor Richard? But that's a classic example of, you know, you just waste your time if you are not, if you want to do the right thing. Yes. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Uh, many times I've had to travel with Pastor Asuti and we encounter these policemen every time. We don't give them jack. We stand our ground. Sometimes they take us to their police posts. Yeah, right. Delay <laughs> us. <laughs> but we live there satisfied that we didn't give any money. Right. They realize that some Nigerians know that you don't give anything and you, you right. go on. So why I don't judge um, Kelechi's right. acts, but I think if every Nigerian takes a stand to say we will not give, these guys will see this blocking of the road as bad, bad markets. And but the, po the point is that can we get critical mass well, we, with every opportunity, we, we tell people what we do. What to do. And I, what we do. And I'm sharing it openly again. Right. They might delay you, but there's a, there's a, in fact, there's a time they've actually had to take us to go and pay. Let's say we... The official you know that. rate. Exactly. exactly. You pay it. You, you pay the official if you, rate. If you, you otherwise get the thing that you're supposed to get so that you don't have to pay the official rate. And in move fact, on. what I've discovered sometimes, when they see... That it's as if you don't have time to waste. They they pry on that. You know? <laughs> but it happened to someone, and the police stopped him, and he took this route that Pastor Richard is talking about. And he said to the policeman that the more you stay with me, you're losing customers. <laughs> I will waste your time. Let's go to the, let's go to the station. You will not be here collecting money. Let's go. Go, go, go. Use less man. <laughs> because the reality is, the time it takes you to, they have, it's like they have quotas. Um, you know, the, the time it takes you to the station is losing revenue. <laughs> That's just an example. But for me, when I've had to encounter them, you know, ah, I've had, sometimes I just sit in the car and I'm like, what am I going to do to these guys? In a particular occasion, someone will just drive up and stop and say to the policeman, you are holding my pastor and we are going to block this road. And the policeman said, you're a pastor. Yeah, go, 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 go. Okay, so that has happened. Another thing that has happened is I've, I've been forced to make a phone call. So, I will get to a point. I'm not going to give them anything. And I'll say to them that I can make one phone call. You can lose your job. I've had to make a phone call. He didn't lose his job. But he came, sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. You can go, sir. So, again, I know we may not all have a phone call <laughs> to make, but that's how I've gotten out several times. I, many times I've had to make a phone call, but on one occasion I've had to make a phone call to end the guy's job. But, again, would that be an abuse of influence? Maybe, maybe not. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> so, is that okay? 
So we, we, we have some times where the godly is being punished for being good. Yes. Okay, an example is my office. So I work with Stambik IBC Bank and we don't give bribes, we don't take bribes. And so we suffer a lot from a lot of people. Um, for example, there was a time someone gave us dot checks and we arrested him and he was locked up by EFCC for some days. And they later gave, he later gave money to EFCC. They released him on bail and started troubling us, saying that we didn't write the petition well. Wow. So, and they locked up some of our staffs because of him. Wow. So that's a classic example. We suffer a lot. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I just, um, I just want to ask, the, you know, he said he's, he has his papers complete. Right. And he's traveling, he's on a mission, like he has stuff to do. Now, if I want to place that side by side with the two kinds of bribe that we learned about just now. Right. One is um, you're going to see someone and you give the person a gift. Right. And that gift is supposed to make way for you. Right. Then the other one is you are trying to pervert justice, right. just like this one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'm wrong, but f I, I don't think that he's doing anything wrong. Um, I think he's wrong if he doesn't have his papers and he's trying to just... Um, yes, but if you, if, you realize that, if you realize that he's going to be... He's being intimidated and he's going to be exploited. It's, that, it's exploitation, right? I have my papers right, so legally... I'm free to go. Like, what I do is when they insist, sometimes I make a phone call, and that just ends it. In his own case, he has change. <laughs> that he will say, take and go. We are just saying there's a, there's a better way, perhaps, of still standing your ground and sending a message to these people that... It's not okay what they are doing. Rather than just bowing over to them every time. Do you understand? Good. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I just remembered when I was writing jam. I think maybe I was just so naive. You know, I was just writing my jam. <laughs> JJ. I was just writing my jam. <laughs> you know, the next thing, I saw that they were saying... Um, get ready to submit. I said, ah. I had not even seen the last paper. They said, what are you writing now? I said, I, I, I've not, I've not. <laughs> I said, madam, we are collecting the papers. Now collect, take this thing and just fill it in. I said, I can't do that. He mm. said, ah, we are collecting the papers. Oh. I didn't see one whole subject for jam. Wow. They collected the papers. I said, wow. As far back as your time. Yes. That's wow. long, quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I said, so I'm going to suffer for not cheating, you know, but God helped me and came through for me and I was able to use the three subjects that I was able to write to so, get into the university. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, same thing. I mean, when I did jam. That was the first year jam leaked. The very first time jam leaked, that is leaked, you know. And what was my score? 
it was pretty high. But I didn't get in to the course I wanted to. I mean, it was devastating. I was like, there was, I, I don't remember the score, but it was pretty high. This cutoff point out of 400 was becoming 319, 320. That was cutoff point. And maybe I was 309, I don't remember. Over 400. And you couldn't enter. So what are you going to do? So I entered for physics. I was offered physics. I did one year in physics. <laughs> Many of you are hearing that for the first time. <laughs> you know, and did jam again. Then it was not leaked. And obviously I entered for computer science. So many people have been sidelined because of injustice. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so day-to-day -day wisdom, I think I would, I would leave that for you as homework. I will leave 18 and 22 and jump to 27 and close from there. It says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Even fools are taught wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. You know, so, so God is saying, the word of God is saying that a wise person uses few words. If you see someone that is verbos, is use plenty words, talk, 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 talk. Wisdom is not very close to that person, really. And that has been my experience in life. People that talk a lot make a lot of mistakes. People that talk a lot make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So if you cut down your words, you've cut down the number of mistakes you make. And it's, it's huge. And the Bible says that even, even if you see a fool that keeps quiet, a fool that keeps quiet, you know, you think they are wise, you know. But they are fools until they open their mouths. Then you know, ah, 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 this, what is this? <laughs> and Ivy says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. The one who has knowledge uses words with what? With restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Regardless of your temperament, natural disposition. The wise uses words with restraint. They are even tempered. Even fools are taught wise if they keep silent and discerning. Fools are taught to be discerning if they hold their tongue. So hold your tongue. Do we have any questions? Okay, so we have one more filling the blanks before we take our questions. So your words betrays, betray your heart. Your words betray your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when you have people that said, hey, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant, you have met a fool. 
I kid you not, you've met a fool. Oh, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant. Sorry. You are not, you will not be, you will not be judged for what you mean. Jesus says you'll be condemned for the words of your mouth, for what you say, not what you mean. You can't say, I will cut off your head. And you're saying, ah, but that's not, I meant I will rub your head with palm oil. <laughs> if you beat someone that's always saying, oh, oh, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant, you've met a fool. Wise people are measured. They say what they mean, they mean what they say. Do we have any questions? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.